how different is it from Abraham trying to find Isaac a wife in those days to how we do it today to find a husband? I had to find mine recently on a dating site. Well, that's a real experience, I can tell you. But anyway, he was a good man and we're now married. So very different ways of doing it from those days to today. Um, so Abraham had huge, huge faith in God to be able to know that God would carry this through. So it's a great story. So wiser by faith is the heading. The Bible tells us that we, can, we should be as wise as an owl but as gentle as a dove. This picture totally warms my heart because that's exactly what Jesus, how he acted and what he did. Firm in his words but as gentle as a dove in the way he does it. Perfect description of Jesus' character. The Old Testament has many stories of Jesus being firm with people in wisdom but doing it in a gentle way. He is our best teacher in every area of life and I don't know anyone wiser to live God's way than our example of Jesus. Wisdom is about making good choices and it is also about having a good godly attitude while dealing with your choices. Attitude counts for much. Sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it. It's about our patience in our attitude. It's about our loving, kind attitude towards people by not judging. Our attitude counts for everything. We need to take steps to grow in the Lord, including growing in wisdom. Humans are curious beings. We discover and invent many useful things, but curiosity can also tempt us to sin. It can tempt us to meddle and invade in others' privacy. We must learn to live with unsatisfied curiosity. Some things we should not know. It is not our place to know. Some things of God that are hidden, because God doesn't want us to know what they are. He doesn't want us to understand how we got here. He was always there in the beginning, hovering in the universe. We're not meant to know how we got there. They're God's hidden secrets. If we were to know everything that God knows, we would be on God's level, and we are far from that. Learning to let curiosity go is one of life's disciplines. Some things we can know but should not know, especially when we engage in gossip. Judging others is also unwise in God's list of rules. How many of us have made decisions in life that you wish you had never made or did the way they did? Anybody? Just about everybody. If only we had God's wisdom from young, our lives could be very different in many ways. If only we could live our life now having God there from the beginning, how different would our life be now? But troubles make us the person we are because we go through perseverance, we go through trials, we go through having to trust God so it grows our faith and we are the people we are today because of our trials a lot of the time. If only God's wisdom was at the forefront of our minds in every decision we make, 
we would make many more right decisions. How many bad financial decisions have some of us made that have got us in pickles? How many of us have wasted good money from making bad choices? Probably a lot of us again. We all have done these things at some time or another in our lives. We are human and we make mistakes. But when God is Lord of your life, things should change. And if they don't, there's something wrong. Because we hand over the control of our life 24-7 to God and his wisdom and his loving kindness. Close the door on situations that won't be the best for us. That's what he does. Closes the door well. Slam them a few times in my life. Not just close them, slam them. Because he wants us to have the very best. Like we do for our children. We want the best for them. And God is no different. We are his children. We have to go to the throne before we go to the phone. If any of, any of you listen to Joyce Meyer, that's one of her favourite sayings. When we have troubles... Do you go to the throne first or do you ring a friend first? We need to go to the throne to God first, friend later. God knows best for us and wants to bless us with our decisions if we ask him and sit still long enough to listen for the answer. By staying in the word, he often can give us answers through his word, but it is our choice to sit and read it and then to allow some quiet time for him to speak to us. Don't run ahead of God or you could miss out on what he's got ready for you. Don't rush at doing it your way. That is wise. Because you will only regret the decision you make. All of us who follow Christ have struggled or are struggling in some small or large way with what is God's will for our life along with wondering if God will overcome every obstacle to ensure his will is done. Now, if we go away from his will, he will get us to do the circle and come back to his will, if we allow him to. Let's take the example of people who trusted God's wisdom, listened to him and what he said, and came out the other end with a perfect outcome. As we talk about Genesis 24, 1-9, Abraham finds his son Isaac a wife. Now this is real wisdom. They let God lead the way, they listened to what God said, and they followed God's instructions, and it did have a perfect outcome. Sarah had died, leaving no matriarch among Abraham's tribe. Abraham is old and well advanced in years. He wants to ensure that God's promises are secure. The promise to bless the nation by reversing the curse of sin, rescuing humanity from their sin by a deliverer. Abraham is remembering God's promise to him through Isaac that he would have numerous descendants from many different nations. God's past promises helped him to discern God's will in his present circumstance. So Abraham makes his oldest and most trusted servant, Eliza, an oath with three rules. Go and find a suitable wife for Isaac in another land. She must be a Canaanite person. 
and you must not go back to Abraham's homeland, which is Mesopotamia. Why these three stipulations, do you think? Well, one, he needed a wife so he could bear children to make the descendants that he promised, and that needed to happen so that God's promise could be fulfilled. God's word was that the descendants would come through Isaac and not Ishmael. Ishmael was Abraham's um, son to his maidservant, if you remember. The reason his wife must not come from the Canaanites' tribe, could anybody give a guess why? Does anybody know why they must not come from the Canaanite side? Prue. It's actually... Sorry? Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. But the main reason was because the Canaanites were a really wicked, sinful race. They were shockers. And they weren't going to change. They, they weren't willing to change. They were quite happy the way they were going. And judgment was going to come on the Canaanites. God was going to bring judgment to them. This led Abraham to discern that a Canaanite woman was not good marriage material for Isaac. God forbid Israelites from marrying Canaanites because they would draw people away from him and their faith because they were so against God. Do you think this still stands today? Do you still think in God's word when he talks about being unequally yoked? Do you think that that rule still stands today that he says it's best not to be unequally yoked because the unequally yoked person could draw the Christian away from his faith? And I experienced that in my first marriage. I was a Christian but not a solid Christian and he wasn't and I didn't understand God's word enough to know that I should not be unequally yoked but it definitely drew me away from my faith. I wasn't strong enough to say, no, I don't care what you think, I'm going to church. So unequally, being unequally yoked is very serious. It is dangerous. And I still believe, it's in God's word and I do believe that it still applies today. If we are to marry, it must be a man of God. And that way God can work in the midst of that marriage. If, it's un if the person is unequally yoked, how can God work in their life? Because they're not willing to listen. So it's still the rule back then in Abraham's time. And it's still the rule for today, I believe, because it's in God's word. And his word is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. As Abraham considered God's past, he discerned in his present circumstances that God was able to get a wife for Isaac from among his own people. God did not specifically say this, but Isaac, had Isaac and Abraham had received God's word in their heart. So the servant then asks a pretty sensible question. What if she won't come back? I could go all this way and find a woman, but what if her family won't let her come back with me? What do I do then? Can Isaac go and live over there with her? Absolutely not, Abraham said. So that's going to be a big ask to try and get a woman who doesn't know her future husband and her family to say, yes, yeah, she can go back and marry the man over there that we don't know. Sure, sure. Not going to be an easy task. Now, the reason she couldn't come back and doesn't want to leave, couldn't leave her home, stay in her home and come back, was because Isaac 
had to take her back because that was the promised land that God had promised to Abraham and Isaac. So God wanted her to live in his promised land of promise to Isaac. Leaving and going to her land and staying there would be turning their back on the promise and not trusting God's power to accomplish the task. So it took a lot of trust here. Abraham and the servant especially had to really, really trust God for this exercise to make it work. The oath he makes his servant take is a statement of faith and nothing less. He is so confident that he tells his servant that God will go before him to ensure his success. Wow. If you got it that strongly, I'm sure you would go forward to trusting God if, if your heart was that strong about it. His confidence came from knowing God, by praying to God regularly and by tuning in to God. Abraham was close to God. So he heard God's voice and he was going to obey. So what are some of the obstacles that might have stood in the way from this servant going over to find a wife for Isaac? It was a long, long way away. Days and days and days and days. Could have even been month, two months. The Bible doesn't really say, but it was a long, long way when I looked up the map. Finding the chosen woman. How will he know who the woman is? Who is this woman? I'm going to go over there and I'm going to try and find a woman for Isaac. Where the heck do I start? Lord, you're going to have to point her out. Lots of women over there. How do I find the chosen woman? And then getting the woman and the family to agree to come back. This passage reminds us that God values the family unit and we should too. God provides a spouse, directs our paths and honours faithful prayer. The servant is seeking the Lord's direction to go on this journey and he believed that God would walk with him every step of the way. This is giving us a perfect example as to how we should live, looking to God for guidance and wisdom in every decision we make. And it will work out better for us in the long run because he cares for his children and doesn't want us to make wrong decisions and unwise choices. Abraham was confident and had enough faith that God would direct the journey of Eliza the servant. That takes big faith on both Abraham and Eliza's part. Is your faith that big when you come to making a big decision in your life? Do you totally rely on the Lord's wisdom? Sometimes maybe. Maybe we need to get there all the time. Because if you do, you will be wiser by faith. So Eliza had prepared for the trip, taking with him many camels, lots of fine jewellery and costly perfume that Abraham had supplied. It was a long, long journey and when he finally arrived, he arrived in the cool of the evening. He went to the well. The hub of every village was the well where the water came from. So in the cool, many people were there collecting water. It was usually the women who collected the water. So he arrived, stood in line to try and get a drink. And a lady was drawing from the well. She was beautiful. She said to him, 
Sir, may I draw you some water? She called him Lord. Lord, may I draw you some water? That was interesting why she called him Lord. And of course he would have said something of, yes, please, that would be lovely, or whatever words he were, but he accepted the water. He drank to his fill. Then she turned round and said to him, may I draw water for your camels? Now there was a train of them, there wasn't just one or two. If you know how much water camels drink, they drink a lot of water. So you can imagine her drawing from the well to water all these camels. It was a huge job, but she willingly did it and she offered. So Eliza thought, Lord, is this the woman? Because nobody else was offering, nobody else was drawing him and all his camels water. Lord, is this her? That was his first sign that he felt this might have been the woman. So after the camels drank, he said, may I offer you a gift? And he offered her some jewellery, fine, beautiful jewellery, some expensive perfume, and she asked him back to her house. Would you like to come and dine with us tonight, Lord, she said. Once again, he thought, okay, Lord, I think this is the woman. Offers me water, feeds my, gives my camels water and then offers me home to lodge for the night. Another sign, he thought that it was, it was definitely her. So off they went to her home and her brother, Rebecca's brother, met them. And he called Eliza Yahweh. Welcome, Yahweh. Come on in. The traveller's feet were washed. The camels were unloaded. The epitome of great hospitality. So that's another sign that he thought, okay, this is the woman, Lord. Everything's just, you're showing me that this is, this is the family. Rebecca's family were impressed by the sequence of events which the servant Eliza had spoken of. He shared the story. They were believers in God and they felt straight away that God had chosen Rebecca to be Isaac's wife. The family wanted to give her a 10-day traditional send-off, party time for 10 days. Eliza said, no, I must return quickly with her. Abraham and Isaac are waiting. We have no time. We have the long journey back. We must go. So the family said, okay, let Rebecca decide. Rebecca, do you want the 10-day traditional farewell? Or do you want to go straight away tomorrow and meet your husband? She said, I want to go tomorrow. I want to go and meet my husband. So they started the long journey back. Isaac had been living in the Negev. He was out in the field one evening just walking and meditating. And he looked up and saw camels approaching. And he thought, ah, here comes my wife. Rebecca was looking out in the distance and saw Isaac and asked Eliza, who is that man over there in the distance? The servant replied, he is my master and he is your future husband. 
She put a veil over her face. She pulled her scarf down and put it over her face. As they got closer, she stepped down and she started walking towards him. He started walking towards her. The servant told Isaac all that had done, been done for them by Abraham's request. And this is the woman he is to marry. Abraham was delighted that the Lord had been so faithful and honouring. Rebecca supplied that womanly charm, her gentleness and her lovingness and her beauty. She was a virgin and she had to be. That was one of the conditions also. Isaac had suffered terribly the grief and the loneliness of the loss of his mother, Sarah. It hit him very, very hard and he was in a bad place. Abraham was hoping that the wife who could care for him and love him and give him companionship might ease that grief and give them many children to start a new life for him. It's a beautiful story of trusting the Lord and knowing that he will never harm us when he makes a decision for us, but always does what's the very best for his children. So you can trust God to be faithful to his promise. You can trust God on your journey and you can trust God with your whole life. There is a difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom that carries from above. To tap into God's wisdom, we must first of all desire it. He doesn't force us, he's a gentleman. And you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We acknowledge that true wisdom comes from God and that Jesus Christ is the embodiment of that wisdom. Godly wisdom starts with the reverential fear of God to respect him for who he is to respect him awesomely for the creator of the world, the giver of life. And when we do have that reverential fear of God, it results in a holy life. Let me repeat that. Godly wisdom starts with the reverential fear of God and results in a holy life. Worldly wisdom, on the other hand, is not concerned with honouring God. It pleases itself. Godly wisdom comes with our mature faith, enables us to prepare ourselves for eternity. With godly wisdom, we trade earthly values for biblical values, but we know where we're going when we die. It changes our whole perspective on what is our purpose in this life. It is to be ready for Christ to join him in heaven for eternity. Wisdom is the most valuable treasure of this earth to the extent that even a fool thinks that he has it. A natural man will often look at the world around him for wisdom because that is all he can see and relate to. He is incapable of seeing through the open door of faith into the wisdom of God. That explains why he is aligned to the world in wisdom and the wisdom of God is unattainable, unattainable to him. 
Anything that is not feasible to the world is impossible for him to accept. The wisdom of God is scarce, too scarce today compared to our grandparents and great-grandparents' day, where most people went to church. Most people live by the morals and ethics and rules of the Bible, and today we don't. We live in a godless society. No wonder the world's in a chaotic state. Only those who are willing to pay the price to get that godly wisdom by faith are tapping into it. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we can have access to God's wisdom. But it is the ability of the believers in Christ to get access to God's wisdom that gets them wiser from the fellowship of God. God is not difficult to find, nor is he complicated. It is our sincere desire in us as people to pour our love into God, to pour our faith into God so that he can bless us with wisdom, his wisdom. God is longing to pour wisdom into your life, ladies, each and every one of us. You just have to give him your heart and live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are available to meet us with our every need. Thank you that your wisdom is available to us when we live by faith and desire a personal relationship with you. Help us to spread your precious word and all that it is. Open doors of opportunity to share Jesus with people in our everyday lives. Use us, Lord, to help people, to love people and serve people. And by your grace, we can be strong in how we do it and what we do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything. We love you. Amen.